Amen. Well, good morning again. Go ahead and take a seat. Welcome to Alpine Church. I didn't introduce myself before. My name is Joel Daly. I'm the lead pastor here at the West Haven campus, and I have the opportunity and the privilege to talk through God's word with you this morning. Before we do that, I do want to highlight our fusion. Uh, this is grades 7 through 12th. If you're a student, uh, we have a small group in room 2, which is just right over that way. Brent's in there waiting. So um, our, our fusion group is actually also this week. They're at sum, or Summerfest. It's not summer. Winterfest. And uh, they're having a great time up there. They're going to be coming home this afternoon. So uh, we do this class every week. Uh, second service, room two. So if you have students, go ahead and bring them to that. Well, this morning we're continuing in our series uh, through uh, really looking at a, a look at grace. Grace is something that we can get wrong all the time, and we're calling this help wanted because really God's grace is all the help that we need in our lives. And last week we heard a powerful message from Dave talking about uh, just the benefits of, of grace in relation to our salvation. We're saved by grace through faith. We'll talk about that a little bit more today, but I want to open by just asking a question. Have you ever... On your smartphone, downloaded like an app from the app store that you were super excited about. You saw it was advertised a certain way. And then you open the app up and you realize that to really use it as it was advertised, you have to uh, pay money to, to further. There's in-app purchases is what they call it. So you get the app, you open it up, and then all of a sudden you realize that you have to pay 20 bucks to really for it to do what you wanted it to do in the first place. I, a couple years ago, I don't really play many games on my phone, but I downloaded this fun game. It was like a puzzle game, and you had to uh, get to a certain level. And to get to the level, they made you pay like $15 to do it. And I was seriously considering paying $15 to beat this stupid little level. They got me. They got me. It's what's called a bait and switch. You say they bait you. They, they tell you the deal. They show you a little bit. And then once you get into it, they switch the deal around. And, and you find out that there's actually more stipulations to it than you thought there were. And this sadly is how a lot of people can view the life of a Christian like a bait and switch. They came to faith. They were told that it's by grace that you're saved. It's not by what you do. And then they get into a church or a community of people, and then they're told that, oh, well, actually, you have to do this and do that and follow this rule and follow that rule. And all of a sudden, you realize that this isn't what I signed up for. I didn't actually read the fine print of what I was doing, right? It's like when you sign up for a gym membership. I did this uh, a few months ago, and it's $10 a month. That's the, how it's advertised, right? It's 10 bucks a month. You go in, you're signing your name, and they're like, oh, yeah, there's like a $50 activation fee for this, and then there's a $100 maintenance fee, and then all of a sudden you realize you're like, I'm paying more in that stuff than I was actually paying the gym membership. It's more than double what I thought it was going to be. This is what happens when uh, we don't read the fine print. But this morning, and really what we want to see in this series that God's grace is revealed in his word is exactly what it says it is. His grace is sufficient in our lives. And this morning, we're going to take a special look at the help that keeps on helping. God's grace continues to help. So let's look at a definition of God's grace. Grace is the quality of God's character by which he helps us and blesses us with good gifts without requiring anything in return. 
So last week, again, we looked at how this applies to our salvation. We're saved by grace through faith. It's what Jesus did on the cross so that we didn't have to do it. We accept that, and we're, we're really, in a sense, good to go. It's not based on any merit or worthiness of ourselves. And if we break this definition down more, really, we can say that grace, God's grace, sorry, is uh, God helps. God helps. Now, this isn't the kind of help that you, you, know, you call your buddy and he comes over and helps you on your car or something like that. That's not the type of help where you both work at it together. Don't call me and ask for help on your car, by the way. I'll be fairly useless with that. Um, but this is the kind of help, you know, I think that my daughter, she got a jungle gym swing set for Christmas. And the thing is, is it doesn't come all put together. It's in a box that weighs like 400 pounds that Bruce went and helped to Walmart and helped me get. And we got this, and I realized I'm going to have to help my daughter put this together. And really what that means is I'm going to have to do it all myself. Because she doesn't have the intellect. She doesn't have the strength. She doesn't have the understanding to be able to do that. And so I'm going to do that for her. I'm helping her do that. But really, I'm doing it all myself. You know, um... When we break, this is, uh, sorry, I got a little lost. So, so the point is, of what I'm saying is, is that God, as we saw last week, God does it all for us. And the main thing that we need to see today is that when we understand God's grace, we understand that it's his grace from the beginning to the end of our life as a Christian. We never stop with grace. In fact, grace is something that we can grow in. As a Christian, Second Peter, Peter says this in 3.18, says, You must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, this verse shows followers of Jesus that even though they're forgiven, they're redeemed by Jesus, by his work, we're not done with grace. Grace continues. In fact, he says, grow in grace and knowledge. We know how, how to grow in knowledge, right? We learn more about something. We read. We pray. We get to know more about who Jesus said, what he's done for us. But how do we grow in the grace of Jesus? You ever thought about that? How do you go grow in the grace of Jesus? Well, I think it means we develop a deeper understanding of what that grace is and what that grace means. We are more appreciative of that grace. We live a life filled with grace, knowing that we don't have to live up to a certain standard or do certain things. And then we become more consistent in applying that grace to every situation of our lives. And the more you grow in God's grace, the more you realize that as a Christian... We're always dependent on God's gracious help. You know, because the truth is, is that many, many start the Christian life by grace, through faith. But then they're told by people around them, by their church, by leaders that, well, no, you have to do this. It's the bait and switch game. You know, so maybe some people attribute this to the amount that God is going to love them or accept them. So if you don't go to church every Sunday and read your Bible God's not going to love you as much if you don't uh, join a small group, if you don't pray, if you don't serve, if you don't give, if you don't mentor someone. God's going to love you less. But look at what Paul says to the Galatian church in Galatians 3.3. 3. He says, how foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Paul is saying, you fools, you're foolish for trying to do it on your own, to trying to use your own merit, your own works to become perfect. 
And this is really the whole reason Paul wrote the book of Galatians. It's a letter to this church who they were confused about God's grace. They were confused about his gift because they halfway through changed the rules. They're like, it can't be this easy. It can't just be grace. We have to do something. We have to earn something. And so the leaders in these churches were telling the people, you have to do this and this and this. And then Paul says, no, you idiots, you don't have to do that. That's the whole point at which I came in the first place and told you. That's the whole reason why Jesus did what he did. It's not by your own effort. And furthermore, does that ever work? (laughs) Does that ever work to try to be perfect by yourself, by your own effort? For anyone who's successful, please come up and talk to me. And, uh... And I'll, I'll pray for you because that just doesn't, that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying it, it doesn't happen by your human effort. It happens by the power of the Spirit. There's a rule we have at Alpine, no perfect people. If you're, if you're perfect, please leave. Because this won't apply to you. I mean, that's the point, yeah. There goes Greg. <laughs> okay. See, grace means that God loves you and accepts you unconditionally, regard, regardless of how you perform of the things that you do. And this is a truth that I've been reminding myself this week as I've been preparing for this. God loves you based on how good he is, not how good you are. God loves you based on how good he is, not on how good you are. Amen. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says this, Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord... You must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. You see, we talked about last week the only way to come to Jesus was by grace through faith. And we're saying this week that the only way to continue to follow after Jesus is by grace through faith. It doesn't switch halfway through. Once you belong to Jesus, there's nothing that you can do to make God love you more or less. Even when you sin, even when you go your own way, even when you mess up, God still is right there loving you unconditionally and is going to be right there when you turn around and you realize, oh, I haven't been honoring God with my life. I need to turn around. I need to accept that forgiveness. I need to accept that grace. This is because of his goodness, not because of your goodness. And this is the freeing truth that Paul was reminding the Galatian church of. He was saying, it's not up to you. It's not up to your effort. But sadly, so many of us can live that way as Christians. And maybe this morning, maybe you are in a season where you put your faith in Jesus and maybe you've let this uh, burden creep in of having to live up to a certain standard. Or maybe you're running away from God because you don't feel like that's fair that God's making you do that. Well, I I have two uh, encouragements for you this morning. Stop putting it on yourself to accomplish what Christ already did. That's the whole purpose Jesus came to accomplish what we couldn't by taking our sin, our shame, our condemnation upon himself and going to the cross and paying the penalty for that. For us, not because he needed to do that, but because he did that out of love for us. And then the second thing is go back to living daily in the light of grace and of mercy. You don't have to live with this condemnation that you're not not meeting a certain bar. And the truth is, is that when we do this, God's grace changes how we think of ourselves. You know, I, I think that thoughts are very powerful. 
Thoughts have a lot of influence in our lives. They can build us up. They can destroy us. One of the things that I've been doing and I've asked some of my leaders to do is to remind yourself every day of certain God truths. Certain truths about who God is, about who you are in God, about the things that he's put in your life. You know, I was just talking to someone before the service, and, and he said, yeah, you know, I wake up before I go to work, and I just defeat myself. I hate that guy at work. I, I can't stand my job. I can't stand what I do. You know, I'm not fit enough to be doing this. I, who, someone else should be doing this who's better than I am. You know, we wake up, and we, we tell ourselves these things. The enemy tells us these things. And then we go out the door defeated, already for the day and we have a a bad day. That's, I think, the the power of thoughts and that's why I think that Paul said to take every thought captive. He said that in 2 Corinthians 10.5. He said, take every thought captive and then not only take it captive, but make it obedience to Christ. Take that thought and look at it in the light of the cross. That's what he's saying. Look at it in the light of grace. Make it obedient to what Jesus says, not what you say about yourself or others say about you. You know, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture that every Christian should memorize, it's just one sentence, it's Romans 8.1. And it says this, it says, There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, there's no condemnation, not now, not ever, because of what Jesus did. Now, I'm not saying that sin isn't still going to happen and it's not serious and we can just, you know, go and do whatever we want. We'll talk about that in a minute. Because the truth is that we're all sinners. We all fall short all the time. We're never going to measure up, and that's the point. That's what grace is. That's why God sent Jesus When you trust in him, all your sin is completely forgiven, past, present, and future. I love what the psalm says. It says it's removed as far as the east is from the west. East from the west. It's never going to be an issue. It's never going to be an issue again. Because of God's grace, followers of Jesus are, are forgiven, they're redeemed, they're blessed, they're blameless, they're victorious. They're complete, they're righteous, they're capable, and they're loved. You know, those are the truths that we need to be reminding ourselves of daily. That we're all of those things. We're not condemned. And it's because Jesus paid the full penalty of sin on the cross. He took upon himself all those thoughts of condemnation, all that shame, all that stuff that we did. And paid for it. You know, when we become a Christian... We don't have condemnation, but God instead gives us conviction. Conviction is is kind of a churchy word, but conviction means uh, just, it's a feeling that we've done something wrong. This is from God. It's It's not from us or other people. That's condemnation. But conviction is God's loving mercy in our lives that when we do something, he lovingly says, no, that probably wasn't the right thing to do, not because he wants to condemn you, but because he wants you to repent, change your ways, go the other direction, trust in him, rely on his spirit for everything. And so then I guess the question that I would ask myself is, if you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus, 
then why did Paul say this? He said it in the middle of Romans. Romans is 16 chapters, and he says it in the middle. Why, why does he say there's no more condemnation? And why do we have to remind ourselves of this over and over again? Well, I think the first thing is that we're still human, right? We're still living in this world. It's broken. It's hard. There's things that we deal with that are difficult, and often it's because if we go back to what Peter said in 2 Peter, we haven't really grown that much in God's grace. We haven't really processed through what that grace implies for our lives. We haven't embraced it in our hearts. We haven't learned to see ourselves as God sees us. And here's another thing is when we believe this, we can stop believing, we, we can stop pretending that we have it all together. I'm sure we've all met a person who thinks they have it all together, who's perfect, who can do no wrong, right? And they flaunt it in everyone's face. But God's grace came and stopped. He he made it so that we don't have to do that anymore. We can stop being a slave to what other people think of us. We can start living in authenticity. We can start being okay with not being perfect in our lives. God gives us the freedom to do that. It doesn't matter what anyone else says or thinks about you. So this is all really good news, right? There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. So that means we can just go out, we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, with whoever we want, right? No. Sorry. Paul, Paul actually addresses this issue um, earlier in Romans, before he gets to this verse, but he says this in Romans 6 too. After, after we had just talked about God's love is unfailing, it's not going to change, but Paul says, well then, I like how he says that, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? You see, so many people look at grace and abuse grace because they just view it as like this card to get out of hell free, right? You, we, we're already out of hell because of God's grace, so now we can just go do whatever we want, live however we want. And Paul is saying, no, you're totally missing the point of what grace is, of the purpose of grace in our lives. You see, because when we understand grace truly, Grace changes how we live our lives. It changes our in, internally, how we think about ourselves, and then it changes us externally, how we operate in our lives. You know, think of a valuable gift that you were given. It was Christmas time just a couple weeks ago. Maybe it was Christmas. Maybe you got a car. Maybe you got a piece of nice jewelry. Maybe you got something like that. For me, it was when my wife a few years ago got me Seattle Seahawks tickets and we went up to Seattle, and we watched a game, and then they went on to win the Super Bowl that year, and I was fully convinced that the only reason they won the Super Bowl was because I was in attendance at one of their games, so I can never go to another Seahawks game to keep up that superstition, right? But how do we treat those nice gifts that we're given? Do we just, do we just throw them away because they were free? No. We take care of those gifts. Those, those tickets were like priceless to me. 
I wasn't just going to throw them on top of my car and, and, you know, flippantly forget about them. I wasn't going to throw them in a stack of papers and be like, I'll grab them later. No, I was going to take care of those things. Those things were so important to me. You're not going to take your new car off-roading, right, the day you get it. You're not going to put take your new nice, what, what's a nice purse? Uh, I don't know anything about per- Coach. You're not going to take your coach purse and go out and set it in the garden and pull weeds and throw dirt all over it, right? You're not going to do that with a nice gift. You're going to take care of that gift. You're going to cherish that gift because you know how much it costs the other person to give it to you. And you value it. You know, and to some people, grace is a scandal. Grace is too easy. It just seems like this permission to do whatever you want, to sin freely. But if we're forgiven unconditionally through grace, we don't abuse that grace. We're thankful for it. Not because we have to feel like we have to pay God back or that we owe God something, but because it was such a nice gift, it took so much sacrifice for him to give that to us. And grace is actually a pretty powerful motivator to live a God-honoring life. Look at what it says in Titus 2, 11 and 12. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So let's break this verse down. So you have uh, grace that has appeared to the world, grace that brings salvation, And then the Bible anticipates the logical objection here. It's the same grace that teaches us to say no to sin, to worldly passions, and to rather live self-controlled, upright, godly lives. Now, I want you to hear me. This isn't isn't because you have to earn anything. This isn't because you have to do this to make God love you more or make others love you more. This is an overflow of God's grace. You see, the things that we talked about before, reading your Bible, prayer, giving, serving, being a part of a small group, those can be taken as things that we have to do and made legalistic and said, you have to do this in order for God to love you, in order to, for God to accept you. But when we look at those things through the eyes of grace, we understand that that's actually God's best for our lives. That's the best thing that he could do for us. He calls us to discipline ourselves, not to burden us, but to help us live effectively and to bless us in our lives. You know, I was thinking just about New Year's resolutions. Um, there was only one person, I guess, who set New Year's resolutions in the last service, so I won't ask you. Um, but, you know, we all, I think, have ideas of how we want our year to be different from what it was the previous year. We want to do things a little bit differently, and so we set these goals for ourselves. And one of the goals that a lot of people set is they want to go to the gym. They want to go to the gym. If you go to the gym on the first Monday in January, everyone and their dog is going to be there. And you're like, why can't it just be Jan- you know, next week when they all give up on this goal, right? But why, why do we go to the gym? Why do, we, why do we want to go to the gym? Well, we want to be healthy. We want to be fit. We want to, you know, feel good. But the problem is, is that going to the gym sucks. Right? It's the worst. I mean, I'd just rather sit on the couch and eat a donut and watch Netflix. That's what I'd rather do, Right? 
But what's that going to get me as a result? Probably something that's not good. <laughs> yeah. That's prob- I'm probably not going to be able to walk up the stairs very easily, you know, if I, if I do that. So we go to the gym because we want those things. We want to be healthy. We want to lose weight. We want to get stronger. And it's difficult, but we discipline ourselves to do it because we know it's good for us. We know it's going to be beneficial for us. And, and as we do it more and more and more, we start to see those benefits. And it motivates us a little bit more. That's exactly what God's disciplines does in our lives. When we read the Bible, when we pray, when we give, when we serve, the, all those things are blessings for us that we're going to see the fruit of. Maybe not at first, but long term consistently we'll do it. You know, one of my favorite sayings is that discipline equals freedom. Discipline equals freedom. Because if we just live comfortable lives, easy lives, we're going to probably live boring lives, unhealthy lives. We have to discipline ourselves physically. And Paul said that if you discipline yourself physically, that's good. But even more importantly is disciplining yourself spiritually in your relationship with Jesus. And when we do that through the lens of grace, through the eyes of grace, those are great blessings in our life. And it's the best life that we could possibly live. And so really, as we close this morning, you know, the, the main thing that we, we need to walk away from today is that God's grace, it changes the way that we live, not just at first, but through the whole walk as a Christian. And there's going to be valleys, there's going to be mountaintops, and we need to continually remind ourselves of this grace. And I, I want to share a story. We did a baptism last service of uh, one of a friend of mine, Stu, and he um, just has such an incredible story of God's grace, of his redemption, of his forgiveness. And so let's take a look at that. My name's Stuart Coombs. I grew up here in Wilson. I uh, was born in 1962, and I went to Weber High School, and I pretty much resided here throughout my life. Had a lot of troubles over the years. Uh, alcohol and uh, the sinful worldly life that I was living led me to, uh, you know, several several trips to jails and institutions. Uh, and then uh, later on, uh, I did mar- I did meet a really nice gal. Uh, I'd gone through a divorce, and I had three children that I was raising. And uh, she was of the predominant faith here in Utah, and I, I got involved with her. And really nice lady, you know, I love her to death to this day. But, uh, you know, I was of my upbringing, and uh, I married her, but I married her for, you know, I, I went and I did all these classes and everything and did everything to get into a church and do the things that I'm supposed to be doing but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so over time, I reverted back into my old behaviors, and it basically destroyed my marriage. Well, later on, you know, I found out that, you know, after just failure after failure, my kids become older, and I ended up alone, and uh, I just, I dove into the alcohol even deeper. And I went on this just, adventure you know I was soul searching but I was going to all the wrong places you know you hear that song looking for for love or whatever you're looking for searching and it was it was you know I got a Harley Davidson and in and out of bars and stuff like that just just lost I was just lost 
And here I was, I lost my sweetheart. And then all of a sudden I got a phone call and my brother had crashed his motorcycle and, and uh, my buddy Rick uh, found out that he had cancer and he had to go through some amputations. And when he came home, uh, he didn't have anybody to help him and he tried to get a hold of me and I was up in, in uh, Wyoming and he took his life. So for the first time in my life, I experienced total silence. I went up to Wyoming and I remember the last thing I remember is I knew I had to get out of a situation because I'd stopped at a, at, a, at a bar and it was pretty ugly. And uh, I don't know what happened in there. I don't remember to this day. I just remember going out and getting on my motorcycle and wanting to get away. And I was driving up over a mountain and next thing I know, I, I wake up in a trauma center. My son in St. George got a phone call and was told that I might not walk again. And uh, all my kids came to Idaho Falls and seen me in the trauma center. And you know, there I was, alcoholism at its best, five broken ribs, blood on my brain, and a fractured ankle. And I came out of there, and, and at that point in time, I asked Jesus to fix me. I said, please fix me. I can't do this anymore. He's given me a life beyond my imagination. I have peace today. All that garbage that was going on and all that spiritual attack and all that addiction and He's taken that away through prayer and meditation and surrender. After knowing what he did on the cross for me and the atonement and how much he loves me and no matter what people say or, or what this world says or anything else, I don't have to believe any of that crap. Yeah, I have a past, I have a past, but he knew that when I came here that I had a past before I even started. And that's why he came and he did what he did on the cross because he knew I fell short. God, I pray that we would be a people who are marked by grace and mercy. Lord, that in the coming weeks we'll talk more about, Lord, how that grace affects our relationships with others, God. But we, we just pray that it would first and foremost start with us, that we would believe that what you did was sufficient. God, that we would have the power through the Holy Spirit to continually operate in grace and live a life that's honoring to you, not because, God, we have to meet a certain standard or earn your love, God, but because of that gift, that amazing gift that you've given us. Lord, and I pray that if there's a person in here this morning that's far from you, God, maybe they've met you, maybe they put your faith and trust in you, or maybe they haven't, God, I pray that you would just reach that person right here, right now, God, that you would speak to them, help them to see that you're right there, God. They don't have to live up. They don't have to live under the burden of, of being perfect because of Jesus, Lord. And I pray that all of us would always be reminded of that in the good times and the bad times, Lord. And we seek in this place to get to know you more, to worship you with all that we have. Lord, so be glorified as we end this service today. 
We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.